I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You would never look at someone having an asthma attack and tell them to just breathe. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am Heathery Armstrong. And I am John R. Bray. We are doing a mental health checkup on this episode. Um, by the time this airs, it'll be have been a couple of weeks since the news of Kate Spade being found dead in her apartment uh, by apparent suicide. It happened this morning. I was in my car and heard it. And then I got home and checked Twitter and there were like 12 tweets in a row about depression and the state of mental health and we thought it might be a good idea to bring up this subject again even though this is supposed to be the happy season of the year the um, hot and bright and sunny and swimming pools and rainbows and mermaids and but I think it's important to bring up this topic just because of how close it is to me and my kids my entire family it's important to bring it up. I think every other time we've really addressed it directly has been around, you know, a, a, a time of year that's very difficult for people who suffer from depression or anxiety. And this is not necessarily one of those times, but it's kind of a reminder that it, you know, there, there may be especially low points during a year, but it's a really personal journey. Yeah. Two years ago, Almost to the day I was in Thailand with the Exodus Road, um, the organization that works to stop human trafficking. And we were in Thailand and it was a great trip and I was with wonderful people and it was, I was really, really, really struggling um, with that episode of depression that lasted so long. And I didn't understand why I was feeling so bad when everything around me was so good. Um, and I think a lot of people, I've, I saw a few tweets this morning about, you know, she had wealth, she had fame, she had comfort, she had privilege, and still she suffered from this disease. I was driving my kids to school this morning and I turned on NPR and they were talking about a study that had been done because I believe that teen suicide, Utah has the is the highest per capita for teen suicide in the country. Oh wow. The state itself. The state itself. Wow. And the mount they call it they they said the Mountain West is one of the highest in the country as well in general. So they did this scientific test on rats and they gave rats four of the most popular antidepressants, including Prozac and Lexapro and Paxil. And they found that the rats who were taking the medication at elevations of, you know, four and 5,000 feet up to 10,000 feet um, was much, much less effective than the rats who were taking it at sea level. 
Oh, wow. And I had heard this component before that elevation can contribute to depression. It, what it does is it affects your serotonin levels. And the, the study was quick to say, you know, we don't want to blame this specifically, but it could be definitely uh, a component of one of the reasons that you're suffering from it. I didn't even think about that. My brother, my brother's son goes to Harriman High School, which is the high school in the town where my brother lives here in the Valley. And in the last year, seven kids have taken their lives. In the last year? In the last year. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. It's an epidemic. That's, yeah, that's extremely high. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure. Um, This is all my, I'm sure it's my projecting, but there's a lot of pressure when it comes to the religion and being perfect and being a good gospel-obeying Mormon. I think that contributes to a lot of the sadness and hopelessness that some of these kids feel. Well, when you look, I mean, even with with some of the the pressure and the the stress and the hormones that we talked about in the last episode, when you when you consider what you know, fourteen to sixteen or fourteen to eighteen year olds are going through, even outside of the pressure of academic performance or religious obedience. It's tremendous. And then you add these two other aspects on top of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's a lot for, it would be a lot for an adult to handle. And you expect a, you know, a teenager to be able to juggle, to not only juggle all of these things, but to juggle them with perfection. Yeah, I also, there's, there's other research out. I file these things away in my brain. There's research that um, shows that a woman, like like trauma, people who experience trauma of any sort, it fundamentally changes their DNA, parts of their DNA that they didn't, they then pass down. Oh wow! Yeah, so trauma actually affects the makeup of the DNA of DNA, and it's passed down to your children, especially if, if there's any trauma during pregnancy. And so I went hysterical one day and I'm like, think about all of the trauma that we've seen in the last 100 years and now compound that all down into all these people. <laughs> well, really? Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, my mother, my mother uh, is uh, one of 10 children and half, if not more than half of them have been diagnosed with depression or bipolar disorder. I was the first kid of all of the children, of all of the grandchildren to say, hey, I'm depressed, I need them some help. And then my brother got help. And now our grandchildren, like more than half of, of the grandchildren in my family, my immediate family, have been diagnosed with it. Wow. Yeah. Like bad episodes, bad episodes of depression, not just I'm in a bad mood and something's bothering me, but uh, a level that is interfering with the capability of life. Right. Truly significant. Yeah. It always feels weird to say that that's good, but it is good in the sense that it's recognized like by your family, like it's, it's medically recognized. They've taken steps rather than just saying, Oh, I'm, I'm having an off day or it's normal to feel this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that is becoming more common. Like I, it's, it's definitely not 
destigmatized, but I think it's it's heading in that direction. Well, it's not destigmatized. One, everybody's uh, quick to say that somebody who shoots up a movie theater or a concert is mentally ill. Oh, right. Which does nothing for those of us who, I mean, so many of us experience depression and don't pick up a gun and kill anyone. And I can't find health care that covers mental health in any way. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, there, there's definitely a ways to go for sure. Yeah. But it, it's all, it's interesting. And I don't know if that's the right word, but when you look at someone like Kate Spade who, or, or even Robin Williams, who from the outside, it, it would be, it's really easy to say, well, they have everything you could ever want. So there's no reason for them to be depressed. Like she had, a, she was a beyond successful entrepreneur. Like she, from the outside, everything was great. And I think it just highlights the fact that that's, that's not what it is. I think when you, when people simplify it down to that level is because they, they either don't understand or they don't want to understand depression. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's a depth to it that's far beyond anything that you see. Well, I wrote about this in my book that's yet to, that will be published next year. Um, my friend Stacia, her fiance, committed suicide in 2013. And there were some of her friends were talking about how selfish he had he was to do this to he had three children to do this to his children and then to do this to her and like when I got to her house she she knows she and I have sort of bonded over the fact that we deal with depression quite quite a bit and she pulled me into her room and she was just hysterically crying and I looked at her and I said listen he didn't do this to you and he didn't do this to his children the depression did this like the depression convinced him in order for him to be in a state to do what he did to himself the depression had convinced him that everybody was going to be better off if he removed himself from their lives like the depression had convinced his brain that that was the best solution to things and it was it's a sick state of mind that is hard to escape when you're in the grips of it and if if you can understand that that he's not a bad person and he wasn't selfish and he wasn't he didn't do this to to make you guys hurt he honestly thought that you all would be better without him fucking things up probably like that was that was probably what was going through his head right and the the pain he must have been in to be thinking that and not even like at that time but the the sort of the building momentum of that mm-hmm. and i think that's that's a really good way to to look at it is to give i mean because it is it's the depression it's not the person and to say well it's selfish from a from a rational standpoint sure like i i get i understand why people jump to that conclusion but it is, I mean, it's, it's like you said, they're not thinking, well, I'm going to, I'm going to show her and, and take my own life. It's, she would be happier without me anyway. So I'm, and because I, because I believe that I'm going to do her a favor yeah, and take care of it, which when you're, when you're not depressed and when you're thinking of it from a rational position is impossible to understand. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's why, why this is such an uphill battle because approaching it from a good place with your mental health is really difficult to comprehend. What I had originally wanted to call my book, but my editor didn't like it. I originally wanted to call it better off without me. Um, because that is the lie and that is the uh, deception that depression pulls on a person is this constant refrain in your head like, oh my God, I am, I am, I fuck up. I have fucked it up. I am a drain on these people's lives. I'm not doing anything right. Somebody else would do it better. They would be so much better off if I wasn't, if I was not the person here. If I wasn't here, they would be so much better off without me. They would be happier without me. They could move on with their lives without me. Like that's the, that's where people get to when they, that's the, that's the, the lie that causes suicidal ideation is the pain is too much. And you have convinced yourself that those in your life don't want to deal with your pain anymore. And so Let's do, let's do everybody a favor and let's just get rid of the pain, which means get rid of me. And then if left, if left unchecked or if no one realizes you're going through that, then that spiral just continues until it's actually reached that point. Right. And so I can look back on that episode and realize, okay, that, that was just like, I was not in my right mind. I wasn't thinking with, with a healthy brain. Like I, I, I was not well. Um, I believed that lie and I can look back now and think, my God, Heather, <laughs> like you're everything to my, I'm everything to those girls, you know? Right. And they're everything to me and they, they wouldn't be better off without me. Huh? I'm the best thing that ever happened to those kids. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> well, then that's just it. Like from this healthy standpoint, I think you, you could acknowledge and say, if I were to do that, that would be a really selfish thing. I wouldn't be putting them first. It would be awful for them. Right. But when you're, when you've crossed over that line, your, your entire logic flips. Mm -hmm. Is there a point, I mean, and this is probably just all case by case, but where you start to go down that point and just with the ebb and flow of depression that you kind of just snap out of it. Like people snap out of it and think, okay, that was temporary. I'm good now. Or once it starts, does it just continue in that direction? Uh, it usually it depends on the person. But I mean, like my psychiatrist has told me again and again, every depressive episode that you have gets worse and harder to get out of. Oh, I remember you saying that. Yeah. Uh -huh. it, it gets much, much worse and much harder to get out of each time it happens. And I, I literally tried everything that I, that I could to get out of it. Like I was running that marathon. I, I thought eating vegan was going to really clean my mind out. And then I thought walking 20,000 steps. And then I thought, okay, um, you know, I, I did, I, I did some meditation. I did some yoga. Like I was, I was trying to do all of the things that would try to, I was trying to listen to music more. I was trying to read more and the depression was so had such a, a stronghold on me that the more I tried to fight it, the worse it got. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And, you know, some, some, sometimes the, the de- depression isn't, it's, it ebbs and flows. It's situational. Like in our last episode, when I talked about Lita being hormonal, like some sometimes her depression is just triggered by the fact that she just had a bad day and the next day is fine. And if you're medicated well and you're doing well, you can you can recognize, okay, that was just a bad day. It doesn't mean that my life is over. But if you're in a really if you're in the grips of a really bad depression, you can't recognize that it's just a bad day. You're just all you can recognize is the fact that your life is complete shit. And that's what you fully convince yourself of. Yeah. That it's never going to be okay. That you're, you'll never be okay again. There's no point in trying anything because I've tried everything and nothing worked and I will always be miserable. This is, this is the one that I'm not going to recover from. Like that's where your brain goes. Right. And it's hard to, it's hard. I'm, it's impossible for someone who isn't depressed to fully comprehend that because she's like, you know, snap out of it or go for a, go, go jogging or, you know, cut out the dairy or, you know, meditate and read some books. And that's like, it's like, that's trying to fight a monster with like a fork. Right. Right. (laughs) And it's, it's weird because it's not like ill intentioned because, you know, maybe for that person, like, going for a run and cutting out dairy really genuinely helped mm-hmm. them. But it, then they kind of assume like, well, it helped me. So that that's what you need. And it's not quite that. I mean, honestly, and I've said this before, like I've never suffered from, from severe depression. So even for me, it's really hard to wrap my, my mind around the intricacies of it. Mm-hmm. I think I understand the severity of it and I understand that it's not something that should ever be brushed off, but it's really hard to approach it and say that I understand it. But it makes me thinking about, you know, that each, each episode gets worse as they go. I think that kind of helps me understand why some people get, get to the point of taking their own life or, or let even, even not even that far, but letting depression spiral before really acknowledging it because following following that idea you know the first the hand first handful of times that you're depressed you probably just write it off as a bad day because that's that's how it seems it's fairly minor and you get over it and then by the time it's gotten to the point where it's pretty bad it's like your your brain has already 
again, I'm guessing, but your brain has already started to kind of sabotage your ability to understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's such a vicious trap. It is. It's a sickness. It's a sickness. Yeah. Just, just like, again, I mean, I've, how many times have we said this? It's just a sickness like diabetes is a sickness. Just like, you know, someone with debilitating arthritis. It needs medical attention and and constant talking and therapy and vigilance. Um, and acceptance, mm-hmm. a broader acceptance. I'm sure I've used this example before, but my dad is a social worker and whenever depression comes up, the the example he always goes to is that you would never look at someone having an asthma attack and tell them to just breathe. It's like, because now that's, that's accepted. They have asthma treatment for it and they need to have the treatment. So you would never look at someone having an attack and say, just breathe. You'll be fine. But at the same time, someone who's really depressed, you go, well, just go for a walk. Oh, you have everything you need. You don't have to be, you don't have to be depressed about that. But again, it's, it's a disease. So it should be viewed the same as any other disease. And we're just not there. No, we're not there. And the casual, again, the casual mention of mental health when it comes to mass shootings is really, really irritating. Well, it's irritating and it's unproductive. I mean, that, that is just a way to deflect from guns. Yeah. I think anything. I mean, Jesus, the last mass shooting, it was blamed on there being too many doors. It's like anything to get away from the actual target. But to target a population that's already stigmatized yeah, is really, I mean, I, we knew each other when you were going through that really dark patch and you didn't even want to be around people. No. So this idea that mental health is what spurs someone to go be around a lot of people and do harm is absurd. You know, having a bad temper is not the same as having suicidal depression. Um, Right. Right. Feeling jilted is not the same as having a suicidal depression or having, you know, debilitating panic attacks. It's just, it's, it's just not in the same. It's just not, it's just a completely different conversation. Right. Well, then it simplifies depression mm-hmm. in a way that is really harmful to understanding depression. Like to say, you know, this girl didn't go out with him, so he was became mentally ill and shot a bunch of people mm-hmm. is a, is a gross simplification of everything. In terms of like mental health, there's, there's, there's depression, there's anxiety, there's bipolar disorder. And then you have, um, multiple personality. You have personality disorders like borderline personality disorder or narcissism, personality disorder, and all of these different, mental health issues have different treatments and different approaches. And I know a woman whose 14 year old son uh, is, I believe that he has, uh, he's bipolar and has borderline personality disorder. And it's important to note that you can't treat a personality disorder with medication. Just at all? Like it's not possible? Oh, wow. It's not, it's a, you have to use behavioral techniques and to understand what your problem is and how to 
use your brain. You have to you have to use like repeated behaviors to to overcome the obstacles that that personality disorder puts in your way. And he has been kicked out of every school that he's been to. He's threatened to kill people. They have tried to get him help, but the help that he needs is so expensive and she can't afford it that she's now at a point where she has to consider giving him up, like relinquishing custody of him, which would put him in the foster care system, which then would trigger the government having to pay for his mental health care that he needs. That's the solution she has? That's the solution. Because she can't Holy afford shit. the in-treatment, the in, in-house treatment that he needs. He so desperately, desperately needs. So let your child suffer or stop being his parent. Yeah. That's her option. That's And I, I've heard of people doing this before and being told by the social worker that it's, it's the great solution. But then... You know, and it's going to be totally easy to get custody of him back when everything is over. And then the opposite completely happens where he either doesn't complete therapy or they relinquish him back to the state and they won't give him back to the mother because the mother gave up custody. And it, it's a mess. It's an absolute, absolute mess. We're, our, our healthcare system is so messed up. Oh, yeah. That's a, I've never... I've never even heard of that. That is beyond absurd. Not on her part, but just the situation itself. Yeah. And helps explain why a lot of times people don't get help. Yeah. It's so backward and it's so essential. I I mean, I just feel like that kind of help is so essential to society like at its core men need to talk about it more (laughs) i think it's the stigma for men especially is bad men don't want to be seen as weak and oh yeah yeah well it's not it's not manly to to need help it's not manly to you know admit that you're sad Mm -hmm. which it's fucking absurd but that is the case i mean maybe it's a situation that's similar in this regard to like paid leave. Like if men start to acknowledge it and start to talk about it, then it's no longer, you know, something that's associated as a, as a female thing. Right. Like if men are open about it, like, Oh wow, this actually affects everyone, which even as I'm saying that it's ridiculous that men have to acknowledge it for it to become real. Like that in itself is, uh, I can't even. Yeah, I've watched so many men in my in my family suffer, and you know, needlessly. It's it's hard. This is a hard subject. I know. <laughs> it's like yeah, I've written I've written two books about it. Um, but you know, each time I come out of an episode. I think back on those thoughts that I had and with my healthy brain and with my medicated and talked through brain, I'm like, I can't believe that I was there. I can't believe that I was there. And 
it makes me feel such sympathy for the people who still are there because here I made it to the other side and those people think that another side doesn't exist. Right. So. And it's, I think it's really hard too. I think someone like you and your voice is so valuable because you, you have been on both sides. Yeah. So I think with someone like me, who's never really suffered from it to talk to someone who's, who's seriously depressed and say, no, it, you know, you need to get help. There is another side. It's kind of like, you know, I've, I've never been addicted to heroin. So trying to help someone who's addicted to heroin and act like I get it, it, it doesn't really apply because they know I don't get it. And that's sort of how it feels for me with depression. Not that that's a reason to be quiet, but it's just, it's, it's so hard to approach it with understanding without, with clearly not actually having that understanding. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is it is a very heavy topic, but I think it's always worth always always important to bring it up. I just wish it didn't have to be spurred by the loss of someone. Yeah. And if you would like to reach out to us and talk about any any side that you've been on and what it's been like for you. We would love to hear from you at stories at managramblings.com. You can find us online at managramblings, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we will put up a number for suicide prevention hotline for this episode, for sure. And all of my, all of my sympathy to Kate Spade's family and what they are, will endure for the next while. Until next time, reach out if you need help. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.